0: McShane Bible Study, Day 37, and uh, we are in Genesis 39 to begin with, and this is the story of Joseph and Potiphar. In Joseph's life, I think I mentioned this the other day, um, it, it, his life is a clear picture of Christ, and therefore, a clear picture of the sons of God, and the, the path that he takes us on in order to prepare us for... Uh, where he needs us that he builds up in us his likeness and so if Joseph was a real person and you knew him there, let's say he's your friend from growing up you went to high school with him and then you, you you hear what happened to him he gets he gets put into slavery you think well he I mean if you're going to think whether he's blessed or cursed you think he's cursed right because he's in he's a slave now and then you hear he gets thrown in jail, well, he's clearly cursed. but when we read the story, we see he's blessed and he has favor. So the Lord cares far more about the eternal uh, effect of everything that's happening than he does the circle He uses circumstances, sometimes quite negative in order to a lot of times just the way we're built, we need negative circumstances in order. For God's character to be built into us. And so we see that happening. Joseph is blessed as he's a slave in Potiphar's house. And then something horrible. He's doing everything right. And something horrible happens. Can you imagine if you're focused, and I would imagine Joseph certainly went through this. But if you're focused on your flesh and you're focused on the here and now, instead of focusing on God, trusting in him, having faith in his plan for your life, then you say, woe is me, God, I'm doing everything right. And now I'm not just a slave, I'm being thrown in a dungeon, I'm in prison. Uh, what? Why are you doing this to me? I'm cursed, this is terrible. But we don't actually see Joseph doing that. We don't really know his inner thoughts. But we see that he continues just being a man of God and being blessed by God, even though his circumstances look terrible. And of course, we know he will be uh, you know, taken up uh, from these terrible circumstances. But God uses the things in the natural life in order to bring out uh, his eternal life into us. And we see just positionally, he set you know, uh, he set at the right hand of Potiphar, basically, he has, uh, let's see verse six. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So he, you know, again, it's a very clear picture of, uh, of Jesus at the right hand of the Father and being uh, ruling and reigning over everything. Um, again, the sons of God are, are expected to take this same position uh, as part of his body. But but also in Joseph's life, and then he, same thing, he becomes the right-hand man of the jailer. And then he becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh. So everything that's happening in his life is positioning him for what he has to come. And he doesn't know how he's going to be, how low he's going to go, or how high he's going to go. He doesn't know any of that. He does know God has has spoken to him about his goodness. He doesn't see that playing out so much in his life, but he holds on to the promise. He holds on to his faith, and we will see that God will work out his promises in his life on his timeline, not on our timeline. And then we move to Mark 9, and in the very first verse, we see Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God, after it has come with power. And so clearly, the kingdom of God is a living reality that we should experience in this life, not after we die. That's, Jesus is very clear about that, and... Probably no one listening has any issue with that, but that's misunderstood in much of the church. And we see the Mount of Transfiguration, I've said much about this in the past, and I'm just like, Lord, I want to say something different. And something kind of stood out to me about it. Jesus tells them that he's going to rise from the dead after this. And they and so they can only think about... Things that have happened in the past, they, it is beyond them to imagine what is going to happen with Jesus in the future. What is the kingdom going to look like? All they have to compare it to is what has happened in the past, and they know that uh, Malachi had talked about Elijah returning, and so they said, "Elijah, you know, why did the scribes say that the first Elijah must come?" And so they're they're bringing up the past expecting that must be what Jesus is talking about and and so it, it, it's a it's a good thing for us because it it shows what we tend to do we tend to assume we get and I you know I talk about pictures a lot but pictures are just pictures they 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 point to a new thing but they are not the new thing what God is doing will be new and far better and far beyond anything that we can imagine. And we, try, when we try to put it in a box of something that has happened in the past, we, we run into the danger of not having faith for the fullness of what God is actually doing, and instead trying to limit him to what we can imagine based on what has happened in the past. But And so we see that here, but we know Jesus did something far beyond what they can imagine, and he will do, he is doing something far beyond what we can imagine. And then towards the end of Mark 9, um, there's uh, three different stories that all talk about uh, personal relationships and positioning, and so I want to focus on that. When the disciples are arguing over who will be greatest, he teaches them that it to be first you must be last you must be a servant of all so this upends fallen man's understanding of of what it means to lead and so he's uh, he's establishing that that is the position is to build up other i had a situation with the you know kids doing normal things one making fun of another uh older making fun of a younger because he can do something she can't you know Typical stuff, but I I sat down like you need to needs not to you you need not have pride because you can do this thing, but let's change turn it around and have pride of what uh, we can do build up, and that's just a a, you know that, that strikes right to this that that we are to serve others and build other the kingdom life in others and he says whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me so we we raise others up like you would raise your child into uh, maturity and adulthood. And then he talks about when we receive others, 41, for truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So there's a certain grace that comes with uh, someone who has been established by God, positioned by God. There, there's a grace that comes and receiving uh, such a one, you receive uh, this grace and this blessing. There's a there's spiritual reality with every uh, relationship in the Lord. 42 is whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So our relationships, God is building a family. He wants us as a family to be building each other up, just as a normal, you know, a physical family should be. And so he says these relationships are incredibly important. And then 47, and if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. So he's saying, look, the physical, obviously, this doesn't mean literally... You should need to do this, but he's saying the physical is far less important than the eternal realities going on right now. If there's something in your physical life that is stopping you from entering into the fullness of the kingdom, it's far better to eliminate that in whatever way you have to do in order to enter this kingdom. He says, look, this isn't necessarily easy, and this is how he says it, for everyone will be salted with fire. So he's saying look that we go through difficulties in order to enter the kingdom uh, kingdom of uh, god kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force right we it's it's this isn't easy we're all born into a fallen life and so to be pulled out of it god has to use baptism of fire which is difficulty suffering discipline In order to bless us, as we just talked about with Joseph, in order to bless us and bring us into the fullness of this kingdom. And he said, Jesus is saying, everything you have to go through to enter this kingdom is worth it. Do it. Give yourself to this, that he can be made complete in you. Then we flip to Job 5. And what's interesting about just these friends and their advice, a lot of what they say is correct. So if we look at religion, a lot of what it says is correct. But it misses the positioning. When God comes against these people, it's because they position, the Job's friends are positioning themselves as knowing the way, as, you know, they're in pride that they have the way of God. And when you read the things they say in, in this chapter and, you know, many of the others, much of what they say is correct. So they have a lot of truth. But in their hearts, they have not positioned themselves correctly with God. And so that is, and that's kind of what the last chapter in Mark, we were just talking about, how are we positioned with God and with each other? That is crucial, that we have to submit ourselves to the Lord, that he positions us how he wants to, and be willing to give up everything, every pretense and every desire for what that looks like. That's what truly submitting means. And so that's the biggest issue that they have because I'm sitting here reading. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, God is almighty. He's, you know, everything uh, is all correct. I, I, I said that after reading through 16 and now I read verse 17. is just what I was just talking about. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty, (laughs) for he wounds, but he binds up, he shatters, but his hand heals. So it's exactly what I was talking about. There's a lot of wisdom in what he's doing, uh, but the position of his heart is not right. Flipping to Romans 9, so this section of the, of the book, Romans 9 to 11, he's really speaking to the Jews, and, and it includes incredible promises that we should expect to see in our day for the Jews, but uh, the first thing that stood out to me is uh, verse uh, 6 and 7, uh, because if we don't apply it to us, then we're foolish, conceited, prideful, and self-absorbed. Because he's talking about truths of God that have always been true. And so why would they stop being true? He says, But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. So he says, look, Israel, many in Israel, the vast majority in Israel, have been judged and found wanting, and God pulled a remnant out of him to reestablish Israel. So he has done this many, many times throughout history. And so he's, you know, to expect that he wouldn't do things this way again is to say all of Scripture is not pointing to the future, Uh, But the new reality that I imagine is how it's going to go. And that reality that those people, and this is most of Christianity probably, that reality that they imagine is the same thing all these other people imagined. So the same way of thinking, well, yeah, the people of God before went astray, but now we are blessed. That basic framework of thinking is what the people of God have always thought But what God did was always different. He judged them and he brought out a remnant to reestablish a more pure people that represented his way to expect that going forward will be any different. And of course, also uh, Paul and Jesus uh, talk about the fact that (laughs) this will happen, Uh, but to expect that anything different from that would happen is really just to make up your own religion. Or for, or for most people, just to accept the religion that they're hearing from the pulpit. As Paul quotes Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Verse sixteen. So then, it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And then again, I love this because it's so relevant. It was relevant to Paul in his day. It's relevant in our day, and it goes all the way back to Moses and Pharaoh. Uh, he, uh, Paul quotes. For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That is God's purpose for mankind. That is God's purpose for the people, the set apart family that gives himself to him and his purposes. In verse 25 and 26, we see Paul, again, quoting, uh, quoting Hosea and also talking about what they were seeing in their day. And again, what we will see in our day, He's, he's God is pulling out a people of people consider not he's not using the religious system. He's pulling out a people that are outside this and says, uh, I'll just read it. Uh, Those who were not my people, I will call my people and her who has not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. 27, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. So they, 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 the Jewish nation saw that in their day. The whole earth will see that in our day. And I'll leave it with the last verse, 33. Uh, They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, behold, I'm laying in Zion, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So Zion represents this kingdom, but there's a stumbling block. We have to go through the cross of Jesus Christ in order to come into this life. And it is offense to us because we must lay our lives down. We must lay our religion down. We must lay... Everything down, humble ourselves, that we be remade like Joseph was in the dungeon and in Potiphar's house, in slavery and in prison, that we be remade into his likeness, his purpose that he can shine through us in this dark world. So it's always two sides of a coin. There's the judgment and the darkness in the world. And then there's the light and the glory of God. They're always promised to be together. And so we see that same picture here. And that is a glorious day that we have before us. And I'll leave you that. God bless you.